take a minute. That said, let's turn to their book, Luke chapter 5. Okay, Luke chapter 5. We're in a series called Drop It. And um, our text is Luke chapter, chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. And this is what it says. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake Gennesaret. I think it's interesting that there was a crowd of people that were pressing in on Jesus, and this time, it wasn't because he was healing people. It wasn't because of the miraculous events that he could do at any given moment. It wasn't because of anything like that. The Bible says that they were pressing in on him to hear the word of God. These people were hungry to hear God's word. And so they were leaning in, they were pressing in, they were trying to get close. I don't know if you know this or not, but back in those days, there wasn't a sound system. Jesus spoke, and so you had to get close enough to hear him. Um, he did speak on mountains and places that had good acoustics so that people could hear him far away. He, he, he did do that from time to time. That's why he's constantly going up a mountain, down a mountain, up a mountain, down a mountain when you when you look at what he's doing. But these people are pressing in to hear the word of God. Verse 2, And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put it out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So the crowd had pushed him basically up against the lake. He had no other place to stand, got in a boat, asked Simon Peter to push his little boat out so that he could teach the people. And then the people crowded the shorelines. These people were hungry, hungry to hear the word of God. And that's what they came to hear. Ladies and gentlemen, the word of God is powerful. It is powerful. It is not only powerful, but God's word is also, oh, sorry. God's word also changes lives. It's powerful and it changes lives. Music doesn't really change your life for the better. It doesn't. I mean, if we're, if we're just honest about it, it doesn't. I can listen to Tchaikovsky all day long and it's not going to change my life. Now, scientists will say that if you listen to classical music, you become smarter. I've tried it. doesn't help. IQ is still the same. Doesn't, doesn't go here or there, right? I can listen to country music. I can listen to all kinds of music. That music is not going to change my life, but the word of God and hearing it will change my life. Music that proclaims the word of God will change your life. The word of God is powerful. It changes lives. The word of God touches our innermost being. It touches us here. And the word of God impacts our hearts. It impacts our hearts. And the word of God is a spiritual encounter with the God that created you. 
The Bible proclaims that the word of God is living. It is alive. It is vibrant. There is something that the believer, when he really gets into the word of God, or when he hears it proclaims, that stirs the believer's soul toward good works, toward God, toward being better, toward conviction of sin, toward living your life correctly. There's something about hearing the word of God that stirs that inside a believer. Right? Right? And here are these people, and they're pressing in to hear that. Now listen, I love music. I love music. I love worship music. And to be honest with you, when we come here to this particular environment, times we've had bluegrass, which I don't listen to on a normal, on a normal basis, when it's done here, I'm into it. It is just something about being in God's house, worshiping with God's people, and the music being good, and you just getting into the music. I like bluegrass. We used to have a country flavor going on on stage, right? I hate country music. I do, right? Oh, she's not in here, my wife. Sinner. Okay. Oh, there she is. There she is in the back. There she is. She's up there. Right. Okay, got it. <laughs> Great, every Sunday. Okay, go so. I do, I do not like country music. However, I will say this. I will listen to anything Carrie Underwood sings. Like if she sings the phone book, I will buy that and I will listen to it. I will look for it. And she, her voice is just absolutely incredible. And she almost has me liking, almost has me liking country music. Okay, because... She's, she's just that, that good. And it's not because I want to look at her. I mean, I'm not that, and she's just, yeah, okay. She's all right. She's, that's just not my type. High maintenance, I'm not going to get into that. But she can sing. She can sing. Good country girl, good, good, uh, good songs. And if you've ever heard her sing How Great Thou Art, it's absolutely amazing. And it's not the one that she sold on iTunes. It's the one that's on YouTube. So look that up absolutely incredible um, that so music I love music and I love coming to worship God and I love doing it with people but I'm going to tell you this I'm not here just to sing praises to God I'm here to lean in and learn something from the living word of God that is the thing that we are here for now it's great the music needs to be good not saying that but the word of God needs to be better if you're picking your spiritual walk or, or what you think is spiritual and what's not spiritual based on music, you've got the wrong focus. If a church is good based on the music or not, you've got the wrong focus. A church is good or not if they preach the word of God or if they don't. If they don't preach the word of God, it's not a good church. But if they preach the word of God, it's a good church. Regardless of the music, regardless of the music style, regardless of what goes on stage, you have to lean in. You have to be someone that presses in to hear the living word of God because that is what changes lives. End of story. That is what changes lives. So there's a job every Sunday morning, isn't there? There's something that we have to aim toward. There's something that we have to do. And it comes down to well, two types of people in the, in, the, in the room. There's a preacher, right? There's a preacher. 
So, when a preacher gets up here, he, me, needs to make sure that, first of all, the Word of God has done something to me before I proclaim it. If it hasn't done something to me before I proclaim it, I'm just giving you information. I'm not giving you something that has changed my life or that I've thought about or that I'm excited about or that stirs my soul. I have to get to the place where I can give you something that I can remember enough to give you in such a way that I'm sharing my heart with you in what God has taught me that week or reconfirmed to me that week or that year because it takes me a while to figure all this stuff out. Okay? So there's a, there's a job for me to pray and figure out what I need to say and what, what I need to proclaim, and then God does the rest of it. He, he just does the rest of it. He takes over. Trust me, he takes over. The second person in the room for this whole deal is the hearer. It's the hearer. You have to come waiting to lean in to see what God has to say to you on a given day. You have to do that. You do. Now, I believe with all my heart, the preacher should not be boring. There's nothing about the living word of God that has ever been boring. Well, there are other genealogical sections in Scripture. Okay, preaching-wise, you should not, when you're proclaiming, you should not be boring. There should be some type of vitality to it if it's really touched your heart, right? But the hearer also needs to lean in and needs to say, okay, so what is God trying to talk to me about? This is God's word. It's being proclaimed. There's something for me. What is God trying to teach me today or reconfirm in my faith today? What is God trying to communicate to me? If you come leaning in, you are going to hear from God in some way. And this is what I know. I can come up with a topic and I can preach on that topic. I can come up with a, a scripture and I can preach on that scripture. And there's a certain percentage of the people in the room that are going to get that topic and they are going to get whatever I'm saying today and it's going to be what God uses to touch their hearts. I know that. But here's what I also know. There's a certain percentage of people in this room today that I'm talking about the word of God and already you are on a different subject because the Holy Spirit has told you something during this moment in time and you're thinking about something in your life that I haven't even spoken about, but the Holy Spirit took you there because that's what the word of God does. So if you leave here and you really can't remember what the message was about, but you got a message from the Holy Spirit and you remember that, it was worth your time to lean in. And to be honest with you, that's who you should be listening for anyway. I'm a little bit crazy. Just slightly off. My, my son and my daughter are going to have fun when I get old and I'm in a nursing home. It's going to have fun with that. Because I'm going to have fun in the nursing home. I'm going out swinging. So I'm going out. But you, you've got to lean in and you've got to listen for God to speak to you. Music is important. It's important to worship. But it cannot trump the living word of God. Period. End of story. End of story. You lean in to listen. Now, this continues. Okay? Verse 4 says this. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Pull out 
into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we told all night and took nothing. We told all night and took nothing. How many of you do yard work in the spring? Raise your hand. Yep. I'm currently involved in my exercise regiment. It's called mulch. Mulch. And if you do not think that's exercise, you have never spreaded mulch before. I start with 10 scoops. I have a lot of, lot of places to put it, and I put it on thick. And then I have to go back to get five more scoops to finish out my yard. That's just the way it is. Each year at Christmas time, Nicole's parents and my parents give us money, and we've always agreed to buy mulch with it. And, you know, it's just basically... Um, we basically buy a bunch of manure to put on our yard. It's what we do with the money for Christmas. So our, I guess you can say our in-laws give us manure at Christmas. I guess you can, you can kind of follow that, that logic down. But, but nonetheless, we, we do this. Now, I, I, over a period of time, have, have kind of started spanning this out. Um, and so what I've done is, like, on Wednesday, the mulch was, was delivered, and there's this little bitty thing in front of my, my uh, front house area that I, I wanted to cover first because the hostas were coming up. They were, they were coming up, and I don't know, I'm just getting lazy. I don't want to lift the leaves for the hostas anymore. I just want to put the mulch down and let them do their thing, right? And then um, the next day on Thursday, I started around the next side of the house, and then on Friday, I started around this side of the house, and uh, actually, uh, my daughter helped me after she picked up Quinn, and, and, I, and we finished some more. Uh, on the second day, which was Thursday, see, well, let me back up. Wednesday, I was fine. It was just a little section, went inside, came to church, did my thing, you know, talked, Daniel, all that kind of stuff. And my body was just fine. It felt good. It felt good, right? Thursday, um, if you do mulch right, you take a shovel and you outline your flower bed. You pop the, am I right? Uh, yeah, of course I'm right. So you go, you go back, you, you go, you go back all the way, and you do that, right? Well, I don't know if you know this or not, but but shoveling it, is shoveling, right? And and so I did that, and then I started putting the mulch down, and I went inside, and I sat down with Quinn to watch some show. I forget what show we were watching, and um, about forty minutes into it, I got up to go get something to drink, and I felt the shoveling, and I felt the mulch, and I felt it all over my 40-plus-year-old body, right? And it hurt. So I thought, man, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just stop a little while. I've, I've told a while, and I'll just stop a little while. So the next day, I decided to mow my yard and kind of waited till my body got to where it was okay to do it again, right? And so, so I started doing it, and I, I got around the side of the house, and I came inside, and I, I passed um, my daughter, um, whatever her name is, we named her 20-some years ago, um, 19 exactly, um, yeah, Aurora, we named Aurora, and, and so I passed by her, and she looked at me, and she said, she said, what have you been doing, because obviously I look bad, I said, well, I've been, I've been doing mulch, and I was going to give up, I was just going to stop for the day, because I was exhausted and tired, but then she calls me on the phone, and says, well, I'll help you when I get back, and I thought, okay, well, I can do that. So I manned up, right? 
Amanda got out there and shoveled some mulch. But at the time, I really didn't want to. But my daughter called me and said, I will help you if you, if you want it. And I took her help in a skinny minute. Now, I want you to hold on to that a minute. It says here that Jesus says, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we have toiled all night and took nothing. In other words, Simon Peter is saying, I am tired. I, I have put my nets out all night long. And this, the, the way that they fished is not the easy way. It was a net, and those nets were heavy. And they would put them over the boat and drag them in. Put them over the boat and drag them in. It was a physical workout for them to fish. They were doing it for a living to catch a bunch of fish, and they were tired. Two things I want to point, point out about this. First of all, they were tired, but they also pressed in to hear the word of God. Are you tracking? It wasn't just the people on the shore that was listening. They were physically tired, but they were so interested in what Jesus needed to say or what he wanted to say, and they wanted that word so bad that even though they were tired, they stayed awake and they were interested in what he was saying. They leaned in. Man, I don't know about you, but I want to be that way. I'll be so tired, but when the word of God is spoken, just be like, okay, I can do I'm going to do this. I'm going to get up enough energy to listen to the word of God that I do that. Here's the second thing. They were tired, and Simon really didn't want to do this. He did not want to put the nets down one more time. Have you ever been to the point where you just didn't want to do it one more time? Have you ever been to the point where you really just, oh my goodness, I've been at this, and I've been at this, and I've been at this, and there hasn't been any fruit, but this is where God has put me, and I just... I'm just tired. I'm just worn. I'm just weary. Peter is saying, I'm past the point. We took nothing. I'm at the point of giving up. I'm at the end of my strength. I'm past the point of calling it a day. I want this to be over. Have you ever been past the point of calling it a day where you just want this to be over and you're just not wanting to let down the net one more time? You're not wanting to give it a chance one more time. You may have given up on church, and you're here today, and this is your next uh, way that you're going to cast the net back down to see if this works or not. But you've given up on church because you've let the net down, you've tried to get something out of church for a very long period of time, and you just haven't been able to do it. God hasn't spoken to you from his word. You're just wondering what's going on, and this is your moment. This is the moment where you've let down your net. You came to church this morning. You didn't really want to come. It was dreary outside. It was kind of raining, but now you're here, and you let your net down because you knew that this was a place you were supposed to be, but you didn't feel like being here. You may have given up on that loved one returning to Jesus. Don't we all have them? That loved one that just was faithful to church and then something happened and then they ran and so you've prayed for them, you tried to talk to them, you've pleaded with them to come back to God, to start doing the right thing and you've done it over and over again but they seem to be getting worse and worse and worse and they don't seem to be turning around, right? And you're just weary of that toll, you're weary of that labor, you're weary of telling them about church. Have you, have you been there before? Just tired, tired of all that? 
You may have given up on your family. You may have given up on your family. There, there are people in marriages and husbands and wives and children with, with, uh, with parents that we've just somehow just decided to give up on them. We've, we, the marriage is not what it used to be, and there's a law that's happened, and, and man, I, I just, it's just so hard to stay married to them, right? It's just so hard to get through to get through whatever that is. Are, are you tracking with me? And, and we're just tired of it all. And Jesus is up in heaven telling each one of us to drop the net one more time. Drop the net, come to church. Drop the net, witness to that individual that is away from Jesus. Drop it one more time. Your net might come up empty, but you need to drop it one more time. It is your task. It is what God has given you to do. You drop the net one more time. So this is what Peter says in verse six, 5. Master, we've told all night, we took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Sometimes I think Christians quit right before their blessing. They're about to get a blessing, and they quit one step before it. The labor for that person that you love, that you want to be back with Jesus, is just, it's just, we just give up on them. And we're just one step away from getting the blessing of them coming back. That marriage that, that we love that person or have loved that person or ever how you want to term it, we, we, we just don't want to drop the net one more time. Sometimes you can't drop the net one more time. But when you can, you drop the net one more time and you try to work it out. You might be one step away from breaking into a more mature love than you've ever had in your entire life. You may have that kid that's away somewhere and you own them and own them and own them because they're going astray and, and you just, you cry at night and you're trying to get at them, but you keep giving them the word of God. You keep telling them you love them. You keep going after them and you don't feel like dropping the net, but you, if you give up on that, you might be giving up one step before your blessing. How many of you have ever <laughs> played Othello? Othello? Yes, over here. Yes, you have. You've played Othello? Y'all know how to play Othello? Who else raised their hand? Awesome. Yeah, I'm not going to play you. Um, yeah, I might actually play you. Othello is this awesome game that, that you, I don't even know how to describe this thing. I wish more of you had played it. Maybe we need to have an Othello night. Okay. Okay, he says it's like checkers. You don't jump anything. And like chess, but it's, anyway, it's in between, right. So it's a strategy game, and it's a black, it's a little round thing that's one side is black and one side is white. And one of your players is black and the other one is white. I'm usually the white player. Even when I'm black, 
I seem to be, okay, sorry, bad joke. But we're, we're in a safe environment, safe. So anyway, there's black and white, and you flip these things over. Here's, here's what I know. There are some times that you can play Othello, and if you can get used to, I'm kind of giving the strategy tip here, okay? If you can get used to not winning at the beginning of the game, you can win the end of the game. So my son plays it totally different, and this is why he loses, okay? And he's not in here, so I can share the secret, okay? He likes to play Othello and get as many of his colors on the board as possible right, from, right out of the gate, right out of the gate. I'm trying to keep mine down to four or five, maybe six at the most at the very beginning of the game. And he's just turning them over, and he's, his chest is coming up, and he's going to beat me. But what happens at the very end of the game is that I make a couple of moves, and then I can literally if I really want to crush him, change the whole board to my color. Now, I haven't done that to him in a long time because he's not that cocky. If he gets cocky, I humble him. Because, of course, I don't need humbling, right? <laughs> I don't need humbling. He does, right? That, that's the way that, that rolls. So, but, but when I start turning those things over, his demeanor from his chest up just kind of goes down. And here's what happens. He gives up. He gives up. And the way I can turn all of the pieces to black is because my son gives up at the end of the game and he stops playing his strategy. I'm going to beat him anyway because he's got to change up front. But at the end, I mean, he, he just gives up. If I play him in other games, my son tends to give up toward the end of the game. If he feels like he's going to lose, he gives up. He gives up and he actually stops playing the game. But there have been times that we have been playing like games like chess, which you probably are interested in or, or know of, or checkers, where he gives up right at the moment where he could make the move to win the game. Are you tracking with me? Come on, are you tracking with me? There are some people in this room that are giving up on life right before they're about to win the game. They are stopping before they get to their blessing, they're stopping before they get to the place where Jesus is going to give them the fruit of their labor. There's a guy um, that I, I read about recently. His name was um, Stockdale. That's his last name, Stockdale. And uh, he was put into a Vietnam prison uh, back in the day, and he stayed there for eight years. And... At the end of things, he was released, and, and he came home, and he was interviewed on, on TV. And, um, <clears throat> and the guy said, well, 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 what kept you going? And he said, well, the hope that one day I would prevail. See, this guy was in, was in a um, camp in Vietnam where weekly and sometimes daily, they were tortured, and they were beaten, and it was very rough. But he got through all of that, and he prevailed. And then the, the news announcer said, well, did you have anybody that, that didn't survive? And he said, yes. And the news reporter said, well, who were they? And he said, well, it was the optimist. And the news reporter said, optimist? But you were optimistic. You thought that you would prevail. He said, no. There's a difference between optimism and faith. 
See, the optimist would say we'd get out by Christmas, and then we wouldn't get out by Christmas, and then we'd get out by Valentine's Day, and then we wouldn't get out by Valentine's Day, and then we'd get out by the 4th of July, and then we wouldn't get out by the 4th of July, and then we'd get out by Thanksgiving, and we wouldn't um, get out by Thanksgiving, and the optimist died of a broken heart. I knew that no matter how many times they hit me, no matter how much food they gave me, no matter how much they made me sick, that one day I would prevail. And I have prevailed. There is a lesson in that. And this is it. Do not mistake faith for the discipline to face your hardest trial and your hardest times. Faith is the, the acknowledgement that though I have these hard things ahead of me, though I have to face these hard times ahead of me, that one day I will prevail, but I have to have the discipline to face this task, this moment, this hardship today. Are you tracking? That is faith. Faith isn't God's going to sweep in and be Superman in my life. Faith is, I will prevail because I'm a Christian, and if it's when Jesus comes, so be it. But today, I'm going to have the faith discipline to head toward the task and the trouble that I'm in and walk through it. I know God is with me, and I'm going to face it head on. Are you tracking? That is what you do. Don't mistake faith for the discipline to get you through. You see... Empty nets are not amazing, are they? Okay, y'all are y'all wondering about that? Empty net, okay. Empty fishing hooks are not amazing, right? Just not amazing. Empty nets are not amazing. Laboring without anything to show for it is not amazing. It's just not amazing. Dropping. The net, one more time, when you don't feel like it, is not exciting. In fact, it sucks. When you think, what is the use? It is just not a lot of fun. It is a struggle. It is just not amazing. But the blessing of where God is taking you through the struggle is amazing. It is absolutely amazing. And when you face those struggles and you get to the other side where God has wanted to bring you in the first place, you are thankful for the process that you had to go through to get there. Maybe we can put it to you this way. This is from my friend John Maxwell. He says this, everything that is worthwhile is uphill. Everything that is worthwhile is uphill. Second, no one ever coasted to success. No one. If you think success is just going to come to you without you doing anything, um, I have a group of people you can join politically. <laughs> Next, there is a big difference between what we can't do and what we won't do. Are you, are you getting it? There's a big difference between what we can't do and what we won't do. 
And there's a lot of Christians that won't do something that they need to do because Jesus has put it in front of them for them to do it. But they won't do it because it takes too much effort and they have to face some type of hardship or reality to get through it. There's a big difference between what we can't do and what we want to. But if Jesus has called you to do it, you need to do it. There are people in this room, I know what you're calling it. If you have gotten married, you are called to be a godly father. If you're a wife, you are called to be a godly wife and a godly mother. If you are the children, you are to follow your mom and dad in their godly example and find Jesus and follow him to the best of your ability. If you're a Christian, you need to be involved in ministry. If you're going through some type of hardship, some type of hard time, some type of grief, you face that head on and you do it with the discipline of getting through it, with the faith that at the end, we will all prevail anyway, regardless of how that turns out. You drop the net one more time. You might be one step from getting your blessing. So they drop the net, drop the nets. Check this out, okay? And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking, verse 7, and they signaled to their partners on the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Let me ask you a question. What is the greater call? Dropping the nets? over the side of the boat, or following Jesus full time? Which is the greater? Would you all agree with me today that dropping the nets over the side of the boat was a minuscule, mundane, little bitty task that required some faith, but it wasn't that big of a call? Would you not agree with that? And you would also agree that when Jesus said, come and I'll show you how to be fishers of men, basically, is what he was saying, that that is a greater call. It's huge. That's a huge call. Here's the point I want to make. God will never call you to something bigger until you're faithful in the small stuff. He'll never do it. If you cannot be faithful in the small task, he will not call you to the greater task. If he cannot trust you in, to drop your nets over the side and in the small little task that he has assigned you to do, he will not give you something greater. He just won't do it. He can't trust you to do that. Faith is something that we grow in. And so whatever he's put in front of you for the moment, for this time, is something you need to be faithful to. Even when it's wearing you out, you still need to be faithful to it until he calls you to something greater. And he will call you to something greater. He will. It might not be a missionary across, you know, because we always think in terms of missionary somewhere or, or something like that. But he'll call you to something within your life that will do more for his kingdom than the little task that he has given you presently.
You have to be faithful in the small things in order for him to call you to the big thing. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss out on the big thing God has for me. I don't. I don't. I want to be faithful in the small so that he can trust me with something greater. Amen? So, I don't know what you're going through today, but this is what I do know. Whatever trial it is, whatever test it is, you might be worn out with it, but you stick with it. You stick with it. And on the other side is a blessing. And once you get that blessing, God's going to call you to something greater. I guarantee you. Once you've made it through to the other side, there's something he's setting you up for that's on a bigger stage. I'm not just a prosperity person. I'm not trying to say that this is how it really works. This is how it really works. So stay faithful in the small so you can get to the place where God would use you in a wonderful way. Let's stand.